Hi, this is Kristen Regal. And this is Paul Rock. And welcome to the Common Room Podcast. Um, every Sunday at 1045, we gather together to talk about life and spirituality, about the common experiences we share, as well as some of the questions we wrestle with. We hope you enjoy this, and we hope to see you some Sunday at 1045. talking about the environment in Lent. First Sunday we talked about dirt and soil. Second Sunday we talked about air and breathing. And, uh, you know, <laughs> viruses and airborne things. And then, and then uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of interesting how the, the transition is to this week from talking about water to baptism and washing, which is <laughs> appropriate for the time. Uh, and like I said, we had a baptism upstairs with a, with a beautiful, cute little girl. Um, Anyways, Kristen, it's on here. Yeah. Um, so today we're going to talk about a little bit about water. Um, and one of the things that I realized is that we have kind of four Gospels in the Bible. So we have four different versions of Jesus' story. And if I were to ask you, like, where, what are some of the first stories you know about Jesus? What would you say? Like, what do you know about Jesus and how his life begins? Where does it begin? His mom's water broke. His mom's water broke, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I... The image that comes to mind for me is like Jesus in a manger, right? Like we think of him as like a baby in Bethlehem. Um, But the Gospel of Mark actually starts with Jesus' story by a river. And so it's there's no Mary, there's no Bethlehem, he's an adult. And he's actually like going down to this riverbank to see his cousin John, who is this like really famous preacher who's calling for people to repent and be baptized. Um, And about eight years ago, I was in Israel and Palestine. Um, and actually went to the Jordan River. This probably isn't the exact spot Jesus got baptized. Um, but I'd always like imagined Jesus' baptism, which is where the Gospel of Mark begins. It's like this beautiful, clear, flowing river and swimming pools, and like this, you know, the Spirit comes down, the Holy Spirit falls upon him. And then I got there, and I was like, oh, this is just like really, like, <laughs> a really muddy river has a lot of sediment in it, and it's, like, really overgrown. And they always are like, oh, John's in the wilderness. And I was like, oh, it, like, literally is, like, a wilderness. And so kind of, like, shifted how I thought about this story. How, how is the Jordan River um, geographically, because I've not been, connected? Like, would, could people walk to it, or, or would you have to, like, how, how distant? What's the distance? Good question. I don't know offhand, but it's not far. Okay. I yeah. mean, it's, I mean, Israel itself and Palestine are pretty small, but I... They say I'm all, not like, the, guess. the text that you read yeah. this morning said all of Jerusalem went out yeah. to see John. And I was like, that, was that like a pilgrimage of, of mm-hmm. days? I, I have no idea like how, mm-hmm. how, how logistically that would work. And maybe it was only you know, an hour or half an hour. I don't know offhand, okay. but yes. Okay. Um, so the Jordan River, yeah, it's in Israel and Palestine. And the sad part about it is actually, and this is a side note, um, when you go there, it's actually surrounded by all these signs that say danger landmines. And so this mm-hmm. place where like Jesus was buried like you can't walk around except for the areas that are specifically marked as safe because there's been so much pollution and violence around the area that there are still active landmines that haven't been discovered and so it's just like this crazy thought about like here's this place of like the holy spirit coming and god entering the world and like jesus coming out from the water and hearing about him being called and then what we see is just like this degradation of creation and of humanity and this broken relationshipness um, but the story that I read is um, I'm going to read it real quick is, so John the Baptist is in the wilderness which again, if you're thinking about the wilderness it's like a desert but there's also these areas of water 
And he went down to the river um, and told people to be baptized and to repent. And I'll talk a little bit about repentance. And he has everyone come forward, and these crowds are coming from all over Judea and Jerusalem to hear him preach. He's breaking people in, and he's saying, come be baptized. And then his cousin Jesus shows up. Um, and Jesus says, I want to be baptized too. So John brings him down to the muddy banks of the river, has him wade on in. Um, he baptizes Jesus. And then scripture says that as Jesus comes up out of the water, um, the spirit, like a dove, comes down upon him. And there's a voice from heaven saying, you are my son, whom I dearly love, and you I find happiness. And as we were thinking about this creation sermon series about the environment, I just thought it was really interesting that one of our first um, stories about Jesus actually just starts by a river, right? And it's not just there. We also hear um, in like Genesis that when God began to create the heavens and the earth, what was there before anything else was actually the water. So we have God creating, and we actually have water already there. And then you have it throughout kind of scripture passages like the Psalms where it talks about kind of sitting by the rivers um, of Babylon and weeping, or there's language about like a deer pants for the streams of water, my soul pants for you, my living God. And then there are like ways that water is used as a metaphor, right? So you probably have heard this, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And then actually it's not just at the beginning of the Bible, but at the very end we hear about water again. And we're told that there is going to be life-giving water, this stream, and that the tree of life will be planted on its sides. And that the tree that is grown by the by the banks of this life-giving water will heal the nations. Mm-hmm. And so water is kind of part of our lives, but it's also very much part of our faith. Um, so those are some examples of kind of the Old Testament. Um, do you guys have any ideas of where else you see water in Jesus's life and ministry? Are there any examples you can think of? I couldn't, yeah, go ahead. See, yeah, like, yeah. He's yeah. there, seems to be there a few times. Yeah. He's feeding people around there, saying, gather around this water. Yeah. Yeah. Teaching went out on the boat and talked yeah. in the water. Yeah. I did check. Um, yeah. Jerusalem is 21 miles east and there about a day's walk if you believe Google. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't, but I appreciate <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Never trust it. Yeah, anything you read on the internet. But yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally fair. So the Sea of Galilee, any other, any other things that come to mind? Water to wine. Water to wine. Yep, so the first miracle story. We have water when he washes his disciples' feet at the Last uh, Supper. Yeah, water was always a purifying. Like that water to wine, the reason they had those big Mm -hmm. things of water there was ritual cleansing. As you came in, you'd wash your hands, and you might might even have someone, a servant, to wash your feet. So water was, even though it was kind of a desert region, it was very essential Mm -hmm. and central to to ministry. He walked on water. He walked on water, yeah. Absolutely, and calms the seas, and we hear of him at the um, at the well with the Samaritan woman, where he says, "I am the living water. If you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again." And so, water is just like constantly there, and it's not just one of those things that's in the background; like it's used to sustain life. It's a place of divine revelation and encounter. Um, and we've kind of continued to have this really strong connection to water um, in the Christian faith, and it's not unique to the Christian faith. If you think about Islam, where they wash before going into the prayer rooms, if you think about Judaism. Um, a number of different faiths also have this connection to water. One of the ways that we embody that connection is through baptism. So has anyone here been baptized? Anyone as a child? Yeah, anyone as an adult? Only Paul. So what was your experience of baptism as an adult then? Um, it was a, uh, an experience in college where I, I, 
I was a good Presbyterian, but in college didn't really do a whole lot with my faith, and then kind of got born again, going to a, a more of a Pentecostal church, and their tradition um, made me uh, realize there's a lot that I kind of missed, and it also made me feel guilty about a lot of things. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and didn't necessarily recognize uh, church, uh, infant baptism. And yeah. so encourage folks as you kind of gave your life to Christ to come forward. And, and so it was a public baptism in yeah. water when I was 20, maybe, and did, did it again. Kind of got underwater and came up. And so it was, it was kind of a confusing time for my faith, but it was also really meaningful. And I yeah. think this helped me to, I don't know, it, it's, it's a season of my life and of my faith journey that was confusing and, and had probably a little bit too much guilt and shame woven mm -hmm. into it. But I think experience some things I wouldn't have experienced and it helped me to appreciate yeah. baptism in a, in a different way. Yeah. Anyone else remember their baptisms? Yeah. So there's like this weird thing, right? So like one of the things that you're often told to say as a pastor is like remember your baptism, which is really hard because most people, at least in Presbyterian churches, are baptized when they're like infants. And so like how do you do that, right? And I think one of the ways that we do that is by thinking about our connection to water, right? So even though like I can't, like I was three when I was baptized, um, and I can't remember that, but the call is remember your baptism. One of the ways that we do that is by remembering um, not our separation from creation, but our solidarity with it. And so there's water on the table, and each person has their own bowl. So I'm going to invite you to pour a little bit of water into this bowl, and we're going to um, play with the water and have a conversation. And so, um, yeah. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to invite you to just uh, take some water and to put it in there, maybe just feel it. Um, something that I learned in preparing for today is that all of our water, our drinking water in Kansas City at least, comes from the Missouri River. So I invite you just to kind of, if you feel comfortable just putting your fingers in it, noticing its temperature, how it feels, maybe letting it slash around. And then um, just listening to these parts. So um, I need my statistics though, because I don't have it here. Um, so as you kind of touch this water, hear these words. So water covers about 71% of the Earth's surface. And the oceans themselves contain about 96% of all the Earth's water. However, water is also in our lakes and streams. It's in our ground. It's in the ice caps and glaciers. And although we have a lot of water on Earth, and we can see pictures like this, which make it look like water is this infinite resource, we only have about 2.5% of fresh water in the world. And that's the water that's needed for life to survive. And only about 1% of that, 2.5%, is really easily accessible. Um, we actually have about the same amount of water as we had when the dinosaurs were roaming around. Um, but we have a lot more people. We have 7 billion plus people in the world. And over the last century, water consumption has doubled um, over the actual population itself. And so we're using a lot more water. We are contributing to a lot of climate change, which is affecting pollution. Um, and a lot of people, including different journalists, have said that the next wars that we fight are not gonna be over oil, but over fresh, clean, potable water. And so as you kind of touch this water and think about this, 
Um, baptism is one of the two kind of sacraments that we have in the church, and sacraments are simply like tangible ways that we can touch God's grace or feel it. And so I just invite you to think, if you want to respond out loud, you can, but um, why do you think Jesus told us to baptize people, and why do you think we use water? Like, why not just say, like, you're baptized? Like, why is it important that we actually touch the water and feel it wash over us? cleansing I mean you do it to yeah you do it to clean yourself so you can yeah. whether it's starting over starting a new day yeah being able to be around people killing the bad stuff and yeah um, yeah yeah I know water has like all these different purposes right yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and I really <coughs> as, as, as I was sitting through your sermons just the 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 life-giving and uh, nurturing, you know, that all of us basically started in water, mm-hmm. right? And and and, uh, and and we literally came out through water, and, and that made our life possible, and immediately began to drink milk. But as we um, as we think about what the, the kind of the practice of, of baptism that Jesus inherited, it, it was full immersion. You went under the water. And if you look at that water, it's pretty dark water. And it's kind of like you disappear and you come back and they talk, you know, they, the metaphor in scripture about being born again. And it, and it literally is kind of like yeah. going back into the womb and kind of coming out with a different identity of, of, of who you were. And so that that water, the water I think is very much tied to the water of creation, the water within the womb, the water of, of birth, um, which is pretty amazing. And it's the one thing you can't live without. I mean, you can't yeah. live without food, mm-hmm. yeah. but you can't live very long without water. That's the one thing we look for when we look at yeah. other planets for evidence that there's life. Yeah. Is water. Yeah. And there's like something beautiful there, right? About like our dependence on water and then like the symbol that Jesus or God chose to like say, like, this is how you know that you're a child of God or connected is water. So just like we're dependent on water, we're dependent on God's grace, right? And just to say, like, this is what you need. And we did a baptism, which was really wonderful, to baptize like a six-month-year-old baby in the midst of all this craziness. Um, And what I love is that we do baptism as a community. And so the three things that you, well, I guess four things, the four things that you need for a baptism are like, one, you need water. And so if we don't have water, we can't do a baptism. Like, I can't just be like, okay, I baptize you. Like, you actually have to have the water. You have to have, obviously, the person to be baptized. Um, but then in the Presbyterian Church, you also need a community. So we don't do private baptisms because we want it to be this communal act um, because that baby who's six months old is never going to remember her baptism. So it's like, hey, we need to surround her. We need to help her um, remember what it means to be a child of God. And then you need the spirit that's there. So those are the kind of the four different pieces. And there's... Um, there's something kind of fun to see, like, even the baby today, like, she was reaching for my mic and, like, playing around or the kids splashing in the water, right? And if I think about, like, what would our relationship be to God be like, I kind of love the idea of, like, playing in water, right? So this idea of just being able to splash and to play and to be renewed and nourished. So we did the baptism today. Um, and one of the things that I was learning about as I was doing this sermon thing um, is, like I said, John starts by baptizing Jesus, and that's when the Holy Spirit falls upon him. 
Um, but when I'd ever I'd heard about John, I always heard about like this preacher who's preaching repentance. And to me, that was like this street corner like preacher who's, you know, condemning people and saying like, oh, turn away from your sins. And I had this image of like being on the plaza this one day, right? And just this guy with a microphone and these terrible signs and just screaming at people. And I was like, what in the world? Like, this is like kind of what John the Baptist was doing. But then when I looked at it, I realized that repentance, although it gets a bad rep, isn't really about condemnation, it's about transformation. So it's this idea, um, especially in Greek, to repent just means to change one's mind for the better. And so basically John was calling to all these people throughout Judea to come and to change their mind for the better. And so if we think about what that means, it means not living in separation or in isolation, but connection with themselves, with creation itself. Um, the CEB actually doesn't use the word repent at all. Instead, it translates it as to change your hearts and lives. And so I kind of love this idea of baptism as this like way of transformation. Um, one of the ways that we talk about baptism is that it is the tomb. So kind of like Paul talked about that you enter the tomb, the watery tomb, where anything that is sin, which separates you from God or from creation or other people, dies but that God doesn't leave us underwater, God raises us up, and that we're reborn. And so if you feel comfortable, I invite you to take this water and just make the sign of your the cross or even just like put it on your forehead. So I'm not Catholic, um, but I really love going into Catholic churches. And you know how they have like the little mini fonts? And just that idea that like we remember our baptism by touching water, like the source of our life. Um, so I'm gonna open this up before we go into the next part, but. So what do you think, as disciples of Christ, people who are baptized and transformed, how are we called to care for water? Like, does it matter to us as Christians? When we were doing this sermon series, I had someone come up to me and say, I don't know why we're talking about the environment in church. Like, why would we have those conversations? Like, that's a political conversation that doesn't have to do with us as people of faith. So I'd love to hear from you as people of faith or people who are here, why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about water? Wasn't one of the first things said to Adam and Eve to take care of it? Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. You and your Bible. Yeah. 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 But yeah. yeah, I mean, that seems. Yeah. That seems like one of the first. Yeah. Parts of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. And we're reliant on it as a as a communal body. Yeah. Without physical resources, we don't exist individually. If we can't exist individually to come together. ignore it and just adapt maybe but I don't yeah there's I don't see a biblical sort of precedence for behaving that way or approaching it that way yeah there's this question yeah of like yeah what it, I think often especially we'll focus on like discipleship of like caring for people but like in our baptism like we are literally reconnected with creation same thing with communion that's kind of like going back to our roots of recognizing, right, that it's discipleship isn't just about people, it's about creation itself. Um, I thought this was really interesting. So there's this, this is a map of Kansas City, and I think I should have known this beforehand, but uh, what do you guys notice in this, this map? What do you see? It's kind of small, it's hard to see, but anything that you notice about it? 
Anyone see any blue on there? <laughs> yeah. I see big veins. Big veins, yeah. 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 So this is a map of Kansas City, and water is really essential, um, not only to our community, but to all communities. And in Kansas City, we have a lot of waterways. So we have the Missouri and the Kansas, um, which meet at Cobb Point, but then we have all these other streams. Um, and we actually all live on what's called a watershed. So a watershed is just an area of land um, that drains into a common body of water or a stream and smaller watersheds then drain into bigger watersheds and all of the watersheds eventually, at least in the Kansas City area, drain into the Missouri, which is our drinking water. And so as I was like learning about water stuff, there's water scarcity throughout parts of Africa and the western part of the US. There are issues of pollution everywhere. But then when I started to look at maps, I was like, whoa, water issues are in our own backyard. So um, in Kansas City, like in a lot of cities in the US, um, when it rains, we have a lot of stormwater drainage that happens. Um, and we have built cities that are mostly concrete um, and have very impervious surfaces. And so when it rains, that water is not able to be absorbed into the ground. Whereas if there was natural vegetation, you'd have all of these deep root systems of native plants that would help to hold the water and keep it from flooding or moving as quickly. But with the concrete that we have and kind of the ways that we've structured our communities, um, that water on the concrete just goes really fast and it picks up everything. So like in our apartment building, like we have a lot of people who have pets, not all of whom pick up after their pets. And it was like making me sad because I was realizing every time that it floods, all the pet waste, all the oil, all the gases that are on the ground, all the debris, like that is going into our water. Mm -hmm. And our water is treated by Kansas City, um, but the communities that are below us, they're getting all of that too. So as I was looking at this map, as I was thinking about COVID-19, just this understanding again, right, that we are so interconnected um, and that how we care for our water is also how we care for our neighbors. And plants yeah. also really do help to cleanse the water yeah. itself a great deal. Thinking back to your first question of why should we care? Yeah. Well, if water is important to our practices as a religion at all, then <coughs> these other things that really help keep water pure, especially if water is viewed as some pure purifying medium, I guess. Yeah. Um, adds the importance to it. And again, I, I just think one of the the downsides of our evolution as a people and as a faith is that we have be, we have just kind of become disconnected from our groundedness and our bodies mm -hmm. and, and so faith has become primarily in the hands of, of western men uh, an intellectual assent uh, to doctrines and ideas and practices that is really not at all what faith was for you know the first at least thousand if not fifteen hundred years of our existence as Judeo-Christian you know, folks that, that it was very much connected to the earth and, and, and farming and our relationship with water and soil and um, so you know when people say why are we talking about the environment I think you know what a what a very 20 21st century question mm -hmm. to even ask because no one would even ask that as a person of faith mm -hmm. prior to that time um, it, it, because it would have been a, a silly question it's mm -hmm. so intuitive and ridiculous as a part of who we are mm -hmm. it makes it bigger than the local sense because I joined I was like I wonder what this has to do with anything which made me kind of come in was trying to understand but it makes you step back it's bigger than that it's yeah. bigger than what people are arguing about it's our lives are dark yeah. 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 So. yeah it's we had um 
someone who's a civil engineer speak at the 945 service, and he was talking about how water issues have been, are, and will be like just so central to communities. Like that is what connects us. That is what sustains us. That is what gives life. Um, or destroys life. And so he was talking about some of the work that he does in South Africa where there's polluted mines, and he said the issue, too, is not just access to water, but the recognition that those who have access to clean water are often those who are most marginalized to begin with. And so, like, for me, I turn on the faucet and, like, clean water comes out. Water is a human right, but it, we can't ignore that. If Jesus says to love our neighbors, we have to care for the earth, and also recognizing that, like, whether it's Flint, Michigan, or it's in South Africa and the mining communities, that, like, access to water, although it's a right, is not something that's available for everyone. Um, and that for those of us who have access to that, like, can we reduce the amount of water that we're using? Can we make decisions that are better, not just for our convenience, but for, for the good of all? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, even yeah. early on, the way water rights were... Mm -hmm approached in the U.S., mm -hmm. we, we're still dealing with a lot of that, mm -hmm. especially in the agricultural community of who has access to which body of water. If they're upstream, you know, they, they actually have water rights above. And there's a whole lot of changes that have gone on as for, you know, through litigation there. But uh, for a long time, we as a political body relied on, well, they got access to it first. They're upstream. It sucks to be downstream. Mm -hmm. like that was the approach. Um, so even in the U.S., it's kind of a been a very divided sort of approach to it. So. Well, and even the metaphor for policy is the trickle down <coughs> theory. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Which. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Lay down the water yeah. actually can't trickle yeah. down. It yeah. kind of stays, yeah. you know, at a certain level. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of a lot of metaphors that are appropriate there. Um, so there are a couple of, I was actually amazed, there's a lot of organizations here that are already doing a lot of really good work to protect our watersheds, which are again, are just those large areas um, that drain into a common stream or lake. So Bridging the Gap, the Mid-America Regional Council, Clean Water KC Metro, and the Blue River Watershed Association, like they're all doing like amazing work. And I think for me, like in the midst of kind of a crazy week, in the midst of like learning about water pollution and overconsumption and privatization, um, I still like realized like, hey, there are a lot of folks who are doing this work and that we don't have to do this alone. Like that for us as disciples of Christ, it's not just like on our shoulders, it's really partnering with people who are in the neighborhoods who are already saying like, water is a resource, it's a gift from God, it's borrowed from future generations, and it is in our best interest to like do this work together. And so if you're interested, I invite you to check, check them out. They have volunteer days, they do a lot of like water cleanup. Um, and then just a couple of other things that we can do to care well for um, our water sources and our watersheds. Landscaping with native plants, picking up pet waste, garbage, uh, litter. Um, anything that's on the ground when it floods or when it rains really hard goes into our water source, which I think was crazy for me to think about because all of a sudden I was like, whoa, all of that is ending up there. Um, using chemicals sparingly um, or not using them on your lawns. And then this was like an easy one. I don't own a house, but like redirecting your drain spouts. So like if you think about it, like where it goes directly onto the concrete to have it go out onto your lawn so it can water that as well. Or using the in barrels also. Um, so I think just looking at this, just to remember, right, there is no planet B. Um, 
and that is disciples of Christ, right? We've been given the gift of creation, um, but it's a gift to be stewarded and cared for as well. So, but I'm going to have us close there unless anyone has any thoughts, and we'll just do like a little prayer time and call it good. But anyone else? Uh, what yeah. struck me actually when okay. we first poured the water into the bowls, mm-hmm. what struck me was my first inclination or, or first thought was that I, I don't feel the water, I feel the vessel. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is kind of, an, I don't know where to go with yeah. that. So, <laughs> just the first thing that struck me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think too, of like, I mean, the metaphor of right, like ripple, right? Of just like thinking about like our actions, right? And how they ripple across water. And so. For me, on the one hand, although it's like, okay, pick up pet waste and do these things are small things, like the ripple effect, and it's not just for our community, but communities downstream of those small actions. Any other closing thoughts? Maybe I've shared this before, but one of the things that that has stuck with me uh, when we had a a gentleman who's kind of a spiritual Native American leader um, speak at the open table is is, uh, just talked about their their water rituals they do and, and recognizing to the waters of the north, south, east, and west, and the waters above and the waters below, and the waters within, <clears throat> and to recognize in their tradition that the, that those veins run not just on the surface of the water, but also run underwater, mm-hmm. and that that is kind of a metaphor for and connection with us and, and creation. And so he had us put our feet on the ground and kind of sense that we were part of creation, and how the water that's running under the ground is running through us, and mm-hmm. it was just kind of a beautiful grounding and especially during a time like this, I found myself like trying not to freak out as a dad, as a pastor, as a whatever, like just finding time to sit. Stacy and I just sat and kind of meditated together yesterday. It was just really good to just put your feet on the ground and, and recognize your connection to the earth and how, how, how grounding that is. But then also how when we pollute the water of the earth, we're polluting ourselves. That we're not two separate things. And we've got to really care for ourselves. We've got to care for the earth because they are, we are all part of the same system and that water of life um, connects us in, in good ways and in, and in polluted ways and we need to be responsible for that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to invite you again just to put a little bit of water on your hands. Actually, yeah, let's do it as a blessing. So a little bit of water and we're not going to do the standing in a circle today and holding hands because <laughs> obviously, because. yeah, so um, you want to put a little bit of water on your hands, and I just offer you this blessing. Um, dear God, as this water is on our hands, help us to remember that in this time of social distancing, uh, that doesn't mean social disconnection. Let our hands be the ones that pick up phones to make calls. Let our thumbs be the ones to text and let people know we're thinking of them. Let our hands be the ones that reach out to others in this time, to buy groceries, to offer care, to let people know they're not alone. Um, And if you feel comfortable putting water on your face or on your lips, let us, dear God, in this time, let our lips be ones that speak peace, that proclaim hope. Let us be the ones who speak of wholeness and renewal. Dear God, let our lips speak grace to ourselves and to one another. Dear God, as we put water on our feet, I ask that you walk with us, that you help us to walk in your ways of justice and peace and of love. 
as we feel this water on our bodies help us to remember that we are so intricately connected as humanity, as creation, as part of you. Amen. Amen. Amen.